Hello, and welcome to the Dissident Daughters podcast. I'm your host, Ada, and I'm here deconstructing my Mormon faith and making space for other women like me to do the same. A dissident daughter is someone who actively challenges an established political or religious system, a doctrine, belief, policy, or institution. So that's my purpose in starting this podcast and why I wanted to have a space specifically for women to speak out and speak up. I'm glad you're here. And welcome back to the podcast. This is Ada and I have Sarah with me again. And uh, we have just become, you know, besties, right? Like, yep, yep. My family calls you my bestie from the Westie. (laughs) (laughs) And today Sarah's here to talk about something a little lighter and, and not so serious, but we love having you on to talk about all the Native American stuff and Lamanite truth and all of that. We love that. But Sarah came to, to me. I think you suggested this idea. You said, let's talk about why we're never going back to the church. And my uh, my immediate thought was to start singing Taylor Swift. Of <laughs> I posted a meme once on my on my dissident daughter's Instagram. It's Taylor Swift with the with the church, like the church logo. And then it says, like, we are never getting back together. Like ever. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. And then, yeah, then I found out Sarah's a a Taylor Swift fan too. So yep. Yep. She got me. (laughs) It's so good. I'm actually going to see Taylor this weekend with daughter. Yeah. My daughter is obsessed with Taylor. We're going to Las Vegas to, to see her in Vegas. She is one of my all-time favorites. It's only been in the last few years that I've really admitted to it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why that's the case so often like with her some of the songs are fun and I think some of my love for her is actually because of my daughters too I have three daughters and we've all sang Taylor Swift songs together in the car so yep that makes it fun when like the whole family can sing it together So anyways, just all of that to say that we are never getting back together with the church. And there are many reasons why. So I don't know if you want to start with one or if you want me to start with one. I have one. Okay. I, there's, there's my number one, like first one that always comes to my mind. Yeah. And it was, I will never, ever wear garments again. (laughs) Ever. And it's not just because of how incredibly uncomfortable they are and how they turn pregnancies into a living hell and fashion is very frustrating to comfortably wear them under any kind of clothes like it it isn't even just about like having to wear sleeves all the time but just so uncomfortable yeah but when i was still a member but i was deconstructing I I got to this point where I was like, is was Joseph a fallen prophet? Like, was everything true mm-hmm. up to this point? And because I had learned about how polygamy was connected to the garments, how they were a symbol for polygamous men to yes. enter the temple. Yeah, initially and, the garments were only worn by those who had entered into polygamy. Yep. And because it was a way for them to be able to find each other. Like mm-hmm, his mm-hmm. garments, he's a polygamist, so he's safe to talk to or whatever by the other man, right? Yeah, yeah. 
such a bizarre, I, yeah, I learned that. I learned that after I had already left, but yes. Yeah. And like two, three years, three years prior to me learning that I had been like praying and praying and praying. And I just had this feeling that polygamy was wrong. And for me, you know, like I look back and I'm like, well, was that like me telling myself that (laughs) I'm like, it doesn't matter. I, in the moment, it just felt really wrong. Yeah. And it, it always has to me. Yeah, me too. Um, and so when I learned how it was tied to polygamy as a believing member, I couldn't wear my garments after that. Mm. And so I took them off and I, for three days, I wore workout clothes and I kept <laughs> working out. And then at night I couldn't put them back on. Like I would take a shower and put new workout clothes on. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to work out one more time. I would tell my husband I was going to work out and then just pretend to fall asleep. <laughs> like, it's so stupid, so childish, right? Like, oh, I fell asleep. I couldn't put them back on. And um, yeah, so that's one of mine. Never, never. Yeah. So you were still believing when you found that out. Yeah. And how did you separate the, were you like, okay, garments and polygamy are wrong, but the church is still true? Or were you? Still- um, I wouldn't say... Well, yeah, I was, I think I told you how I started by wanting to be a better mom. And so I'd Mm -hmm. go to byu.org and look up like historians papers because I just wanted to know everything. Yeah. I didn't know about the ex-Mormon world, really. I didn't know about the podcast, Yeah, uh, which I was shocked and overwhelmed by the historian papers, which led me to just focusing on lesson manuals because I wanted to strengthen my testimony. And mm-hmm. I start following sources and the sources led to the same place the historians used. And a lot of times that was journal of discourse. Yep. And so seeing Utah Mormonism versus the early Mormonism, I was like, well, maybe Joseph was a fallen prophet and everything went sideways at this point. So I wasn't a hundred percent sure at first, you know, that yeah. I was still like trying to save the book of Mormon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and understanding that these were all you know how the church is like are they speaking as a man or speaking as a prophet i started to understand that oh they were speaking as men like all the time always (laughs) always and so Mm -hmm. i thought maybe joseph had had bad influences that came into his life oh like interesting yeah and that that you know that was me attempting to save everything yeah you know what's so, funny? I kind of did the same thing, but I did it to Brigham Young. So Joseph was like, he was my guy. Like I, I had so much love and respect for Joseph Smith that I could not, I could not accept like the things that he did wrong. I would just literally like dismiss them, pretend they didn't exist. If I learned something, I would be like, Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that's false. Or I'm sure I haven't heard the whole story. I'm sure there's something missing there. But then I would look at Brigham Young and be like, he was the problem. Brigham Young was the problem because I did not want to blame it on Joseph Smith. So I'm like, Brigham Young was a fallen prophet. Brigham Young screwed everything up. Um, But then we got back on track because the current prophet is great. (laughs) Yeah, I did the same thing with Brigham. I blamed Brigham for some of Joseph being a fallen prophet. Yeah, because everything started to go sideways when all these new people when Brigham Young came along. (laughs) Yeah, well, there's some other ones, but he was was a big one. But my husband was like you, like he he couldn't 
look at Joseph yeah. and, and not, yeah, protect that belief in him until he saw the, the rock in the hat. That <laughs> was the thing. Like, what? That was the thing because all growing up, we were taught yep. Urim and Thummim and yeah. Yep. And now there's there, apparently there is an apologist girl who is saying that the rock and the hat thing never happened. And she's, oh, that's sad. She's an apologist for the church. And literally, like Rusty Nelson stuck his head in a hat and said, Yeah, this is the way Joseph Smith did it. So he, everybody in the church is accepting that that is truth. But this one girl is like on this rampage to say, to try to save her own testimony, basically. Yeah, to say that it's all wrong. Like the, the, the treasure digging, the rock in the hat stuff. Yeah, none of it actually happened. I, is her name Haley Stoddard, I think? Have you heard of her? I don't know. Um, I think I saw like a TikTok or something on yeah. her, but I don't know the name. Yeah. Anyway. But I stopped and I was like, what? <laughs> and then scroll right? on. <laughs> like, how can you how can you believe something different than everyone else in the church accepts that that's true? Like you it's not just an anti-Mormon lie. Like it's a anyways. So the rocket. Yeah. That is the reason your husband is never getting back together with the church. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of many, one of many, many. one of many. Oh yes. There is but, so many, we, we probably can never get to all of them, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's one of yours? Let's My see garments. What's, what's something of yours. So it, it seems like they're all connected, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think they are redeemable. There's been too many problems there's too many apologies that need to be made, too many changes. I just don't think it's possible for them to become something completely different from what they are now as, as an institution, as a system, as a church. Like, I just think they're not redeemable. And apparently that means I don't believe in the atonement, which I don't. Like, I don't think that they can ever come back from how far off course they are in terms of actually following Jesus's teachings in terms of, you know, actually being fair and honest in their dealings with their fellow man, all of those types of things. Like literally all the things that I, I learned in the church and like the reason why, you know, like my sense of, you know, integrity and honesty is, is pretty strong. And I think I learned that in the church, but it's such a weird thing when like the church doesn't follow that at all. They teach it, but for whatever reason, they're not, they're not, they don't have to follow that teaching. Yeah. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that one. Like you remember in part two of my list of expectations for the church to heal. Yeah. I know I said in it something to the effect of they could earn my respect if they start <laughs> these things, but it's almost not fair <laughs> to them because for them to earn my respect, by the time they were done correcting the problems, the church would not exist. Yeah. Like it would, it would be a completely different organization. Yeah. So therefore they really can't earn your respect without completely. Well, they could, if they decided to undo everything. Yeah. If they dismantled <laughs> the entire. It's not fair. Yeah. They'd have to dismantle all the money issues, oh which are so dishonest and the LGBTQ problems. And yeah, like 
by the time they'd be done, it wouldn't be the same organization. So I can say, yeah, they could earn my respect, but in a way they can't. (laughs) So what you're saying, yeah, I completely agree with why that being like one of your number ones on why you're not ever getting back together with them. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You're like not redeemable. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? I, I've heard people say that they think that it's possible for the church to change their policy about LGBTQ people in the same way that they changed their policy on blacks in the priesthood, that it's, they, they kind of draw a parallel between those two major, major changes. What, what are your thoughts about that? I'd be very curious. I I don't think it's realistic. I think people are wishful thinking there. They'll pull back on racism because they don't have any support for it worldwide. Wouldn't that be also the same with LGBTQ? Won't there be a point where, you know, if they do not 100% like embrace and allow them to get married in their temples and stuff, do you think that they would get enough social pressure to change that? How many churches do you know that support racism? None. How, How many churches do you know that support only marriage between a man and a woman? I don't know. A lot more. Yeah, a lot more. So when it comes to just looking at religion itself. Yeah. Excluding all the other social stuff, just religions around the world. Mm -hmm. They have the support to Mm -hmm. stay things the same. I can see why people hope and wish for it to change and that there could be change and they could surprise us. But I, I don't see it ever happening. Yeah. I mean, it definitely wouldn't be anytime soon because I think you're right. Like if other religions start to walk back that thing, if they all start to embrace, which I think there are many churches that do embrace gay people that even have gay pastors and stuff. Um, but the majority of them, you're right. Like that it would, it would have, it would have to be generations of change, which I don't, I mean, it won't happen in our lifetime if it ever does. It's like asking them to give up the excessive amounts of money hoarding. That's, that's on the same level. It's just not going to happen. If they do, if they do everything that we expect for them to be redeemable, it won't be the same church. Yeah, that's totally true. And even with them walking back racism, it's, it's almost more in word at times because well, it's still in their scripture. How, yeah. Racism how can you say, oh, you know, we were, well, and they don't even fully walk it back. You know, they say, oh God, it, what, you know, it just wasn't time yet. Totally. They don't, they don't say that it was wrong, that it happened to begin with. So it's still like, oh, it was meant, you guys were meant to wait for the, yeah, person. they point the finger at God. They say that was God's plan. Yeah. God's fault. It was God's. Yep. Yep. So it's not a different church, even with that. Yeah. Like we didn't, Same church. we were just following God. Yep. Ugh, gross. <laughs> so not redeemable is one of yours. Yes, absolutely. I think my next one mm-hmm. is, and I think I've shared with you some of my frustration over how boys get damaged in the church. Yes. yes. And just because of the massive amount of pressure that they have to like conform and perform and how that just sets the tone for their entire lives like 
I was the mom and this was before my like <laughs> crisis of uh complete fall of my testimony stuff but my son never had to serve a mission and I was and I was like not like everyone in that way you know there was zero yeah. expectations or pressure for mission yeah um you specifically told your son you don't have to serve a mission if you yeah don't. yeah yeah and well because he he had expressed once he was like I don't want to serve a mission do I have to serve a mission I was like nope my and I didn't even think about it it just automatically popped out and I was like huh that didn't bother me so apparently yeah. you know like those fast moments of parenting where you just react <laughs> and I was surprised by my reaction but yeah then I I was like yeah that it's his life and I want to support him and that doesn't define his spiritual growth or spiritual possibilities or you know I knew plenty of people that hadn't served a mission so yes yeah I I don't like and the, on the other side of that co coin I knew plenty of assholes that did serve missions that were terrible husbands terrible fathers terrible human beings in general like I had had multiple enough experiences with return missionaries that I genuinely was like nope that that is not the that is not the baseline of what I'm gonna tell like my girls like you have to marry a return missionary because that that's a thing like a lot yeah. of girls and young women I would hear it all the time girls say you know, you know how they always make the lists of like the, the qualities they want in a man when they get married, because that's the only thing that, that, that they're good for is getting married. Um, but yeah, that's like at the top of their list, return missionary. And I'm like, wait a second. You know, I would always, I would always call that out. I would say just because someone didn't serve a mission does not make them unmarriable or. Yeah. Cause there's almost this, uh, assumption that if, if he's a return missionary, I've got a good guy. Yes. And because it was on my list. Yeah. But yeah. Thankfully, can... like I had had enough experiences with return missionaries that were terrible humans that I was like, huh. So I could see, oh, a mission doesn't save someone. They're just they're If they're an asshole, they're an asshole. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I kind of had the same like I, I definitely think I encouraged my son when we would talk about it. Like, yeah, you should go on a mission. But I was never going to like major pressure him or push that on him and I never felt like um my daughters had to marry return missionaries I just didn't have that also all three members of the first presidency currently none of them served missions yeah and kind of with that like girls go through their own version of the same type of pressures and conformity and it's all marriage and kids and I was you know I I think that kind of sums up my second reason of never getting back together because once I saw how trapping, like just the small, how small the box was that I'd have to shove my kids into. Yes. For me personally, it was small. Yep. When, when I started to understand and view it differently and I just, yep, never getting back together. Yeah. <laughs> like if they, if they at like 25 are like, mom, I'm going to join the church. I'll be like, all right, I'll support you. But I just want you to know these things mm -hmm. and to also view it as what are your kids going to go through? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like go in knowing everything. Um, and I genuinely believe that if somebody knows all the things, they are not joining that church. Mm -mm. Like no. nobody's doing it, which is because my mom said the same thing to me once. She said, 
what if your kids want to join the church when they're adults? And I was like, I had to think about it for a minute because my initial reaction was like, no, hell no, they're not doing that. But then I'm like, well, wait a second. Okay. I was like, I would let them, but I would just make Mm -hmm. sure do all the things. And then I kind of laugh and I'm like, they're not joining if they know all the things. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's happen. no, but it would be up to them. Like the whole yeah. informed consent. Yep. Yeah. They would know exactly what they were getting into. And therefore I have no worries that they're going to join the church. <laughs> no concerns whatsoever. Yep. So I love what you said about your son and you know, the pressure and all of that. And I, I seriously think maybe we should do a whole episode on this because we've talked about this before and I know you feel really strongly about it. And it was like, probably the first big thing on your shelf was the whole like patriarchy and how it harms men and boys. And, um, that's a huge, huge problem for me as well. But I love particularly how much it affected you as soon as you became a boy mama, like as soon as you had your son, you were like, wait a second, you know, whereas like for me, I feel like I didn't fully have that experience. I wish I could say that I felt that way, but in my brain, I was still very tied to patriarchy and like, this is what my son's going to be, you know, and I more saw it when it came to my daughters and that that's what started to break down mine more than, but the more I've dug into it, the more I see how much harm the patriarchy does to men. Yeah, it took me a while because I, when I originally started digging, I was pregnant with my fourth child, third girl, you know, my oldest was just baptized. So she was eight when I had my new baby. And that's when I was on bed rest with my, Mm. my fourth. And that's when I started researching. I was like, oh, I'm going to research polygamy and like, just get to a peaceful place where I don't have to have answers, but I want to just be able to help my girls have support and understanding and, you know, just anything to help them cope with such a hard teaching. Right. And so I wasn't looking for God to say, to teach me everything about polygamy. (laughs) You know, I was just wanting peace over it. Yeah. And I kept praying for peace and I would read all this stuff on, on uh, BYU.org and I came across that boy who got forcibly castrated. Oh yeah. And I looked at my son and I flipped out. And that's what that's what switched me to viewing polygamy through a boy's eyes. And then just one thing after another after another and how they're just expected to perform and pay. Yeah. You know, have all these kids, provide for all these kids. You're you're not gonna you're not going to go on your sports scholarships. You're going on a mission. You're not what second you get home, you got to get married right away. You got to start providing for a stay at home mom and all the kids. And, you know, for some people, maybe that's exactly what they want, but it's, it was just that pressure to conform. And if they didn't, they were considered a failure, right. you know, and I think there's a different type of pressure on boys sometimes. And I just, I'd never seen it before. So I think because I was shocked by, by something that I didn't see is why it became a big deal. I knew about how hard it was for girls yeah, because I'd experienced it. Yeah. And I just assumed that it was easier for guys. Yeah. Until I started looking and until that kid that got forcibly castrated by the Bishop, you know, he's like 20 years old Mm -hmm. and the Bishop wanted to marry his teenage girlfriend as his fourth wife, some old man. And it just, 
it horrified me. Bishop Snow, right? Wasn't his name? Yeah, Snow? yeah. And then and... they try to make it out like this kid was crazy because he ended up in a, a crazy house. And I was like, oh. no, they made him crazy. That's because they castrated him and like what tied him to like a bench or something and left him yep. to die. And he miraculously survived. But sorry, you, you're not going to be normal after that. You're not going to yeah. like. They just ruined his freaking some massive trauma. Yeah. Yeah. That was what 1850s ish time frame, maybe 1860s. I know I heard that story from Lindsay Hansen Parks podcast. Um, what is it called? Year of polygamy. Yeah. And when she got to that era, cause I thought I had heard all the shit, you know, when it was, cause I started at the beginning. I thought I'd heard everything by that point with all of, you know, Joseph Smith stuff, but Holy shit, like the Utah period of like 1850s and 60s was an absolute shit show. And the polygamy stuff was so damaging. So yeah, that's even even reading about like the experiences of boys in polygamous communities now, how they get kicked out and they're called lost boys. And I was just like, once I saw patriarchy and, and the priesthood, specifically the priesthood through this this system. And then in the Journal of Discourse, it talks about how a woman can divorce a husband for a higher priesthood power spouse, yep. that it was okay if she wanted to level up her priesthood yep. person, right? The guy. And I was just like, horrified. And then learning about how Joseph Smith sent people on missions, you know, so he could marry their wives. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, no, no, I, I, and that's what kind of drove me for three years where I'd be like, no, I'm going to like put it on the shelf and just ignore it. Cause I'm my testimony struggling. And then every six months I'd be back to digging. Yeah. Until the end. Yeah. When it just all came crashing down, but yeah. I could not get back together because of <laughs> the toxic culture that kids yeah. are raised in. Yes. So kinda, yeah. Yeah. I have thought multiple times, like you know, if they apologized, if they admitted their mistakes of the past, even if they admitted that the Book of Mormon was made up by Joseph or that he never saw God or Jesus or translated anything, like I've, I've genuinely had to like think about, okay, what if all of that past history was erased and they apologized? I, I, I know it's not really possible for it to be erased, but just if it was, if they fixed all of that somehow, miraculously. At my very core, I just, I still do not think that I could accept their current teachings and behavior today as a system, as a theology, like all of it. Their their behavior as it pertains to, you know, sexual abuse cases that you're hearing about in the news all the time, their their money issues, their they're still teaching of, you know, purity culture and patriarchy and their LGBTQ beliefs, like I, yes, the history of the church, the history of where things started and past prophets and stuff, that was a huge, huge shelf breaker for me. And probably maybe originally the reason why I left the church, but their current stuff that's going on, their current teachings, their current beliefs, their current practices are the reason why I can never go back. Because it wouldn't, none of, none of the past stuff even has to be there for me to not believe any of the current stuff. Does that, am I like articulating that right? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, yeah. it's so bad. 
now that it doesn't even matter. All the past stuff is horrible, but it's almost like it doesn't even matter because of what's happening currently today and every day in the church. Yep. One of one of the ones that I had written down of why I'd never get back together Mm -hmm. is they're way too comfortable with lying and they can call it lying for the Lord. But my last calling was with nursery and teaching out of the manual to these like baby brains, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, I couldn't even follow the manual because I knew how much of it was dishonest. And so Mm. I'd have to pick and choose what I was teaching because it was a yeah, there were lessons about the temple and about Joseph Smith and and the way it was written. I couldn't unsee all the things I'd learned, you know, I am like trying to teach this lesson as if it's real. Yep. I couldn't do it. I did it one time because I was like, oh, the parents want them to be taught this stuff. I just need to be respectful and teach it. And I was so sick afterwards. So mm. my lessons changed after that. And if the lesson for that week was terrible, I just taught a lesson about like Jesus's teachings. <laughs> like I would go with like yeah. basics, basic yeah. stuff. But you mentioned like how they handle abuse cases. And I'm like, what happens to children? <laughs> like, it's so dishonest. It's so disrespectful that, yeah, never getting back together. <laughs> we- <laughs> like, we're gonna we're gonna sing that song at the end of the episode. Just kidding. Yep, yep. <laughs> It'd be terrible. Everybody'd be like, "Thanks for saving that to the end." Because goodbye. <laughs> Not gonna listen to that. Now. <laughs> um. Oh crap! I had a thought. What was it? I know that like I did that to a certain extent. Um, with my teaching, I was in young women's and then I was in Sunday school. I was starting just barely scratching the surface while I was in young women's, but like, I would always say that I was kind of a progressive Mormon because I very much leaned on grace and the atonement and Jesus, which is so funny that I would see that as being progressive. Like I'm leaning towards Jesus's teaching. So that's more progressive, but like, I wasn't like so much about the letter of the law and things like that. And, um, I really tried to see like some gray area and I would, I would talk, I remember like just focusing more on certain aspects. I don't remember like totally changing lessons or even feeling the need to necessarily, but I would just definitely focus on the things that I thought were, you know, more loving and more graceful, graceful, is that the word? Gracious. (laughs) But, you know, not, not just like hammering down on like, chastity and you know yeah yeah being pure and everything it was more about like the atonement and like god's unconditional love and like you are worthy no matter what you know those kinds of things i kind of lean towards and and also in sunday school and then when i got my very last calling before i left i was just in activity days so we never had to teach we just did activities and we never had to teach like real like religious lessons at all and That was probably a very good thing because yes, by that time, if I had been being required to teach stuff, I would have not done a very good job that I probably would have gotten complaints. In fact, I did get a complaint once from a parent when I was in Sunday school and I can't even remember what I was teaching, but it was way too, it was way too 
progressive for this parent. She's like, she complained about me. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, you know, there's a problem when you have to like alter the lessons a bit though, because they're dishonest or toxic or yeah. Yeah. That was actually yeah. the thought that I had before that I forgot. That was it. It's it's so their dishonesty is very, I don't even know. Like it's so carefully worded. They aren't like so blatantly dishonest, although they are sometimes, but like I don't, what, how do you describe it? It's so carefully worded. It's like lawyers write their manuals. It's like they skirt around an issue, mm -hmm. say things in a certain way that makes it sound okay. But if you really understand what you're reading, you're like, holy shit, did they just say that? I did tell you what I call the church, right? How I renamed it. Yes, yeah, say it again, though, because I forgot. <laughs> it's kind of rude. The Church of Plausible Deniability of Latter-day Lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly accurate. That's exactly like everything we've talked about. It's all orchestrated and just so, yeah. And like when Russell did the video with all the kids, he and his wife with looking in the hat and then teaching all these kids of how, he, how it happened. I've, I had a hard time watching it because it, it should have felt sweet but it felt abusive to me and like that was just my personal reaction to it it was, was it gross. felt dishonest and disrespectful to those little minds and disingenuous and like, yeah it was not treating them or teaching them with honesty to me and yeah oh yeah, he, said, he said in that i think he said something about how the prophet always tells the truth Oh, and that yeah, I've only know. seen it once and I've, it made me yeah. sick. I haven't watched it again. So he yeah. says that he's being he's, honest in it. Yeah. He says the prophet always speaks the truth. Oh, it's bad. It's see, I wish, I wish my reasons were like, I really love margaritas. <laughs> like, can't that just be the reason <laughs> instead of it being so, so heavy, but it, that can't it, be it, a it reason. I mean, it, 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 it's on my list. I did put margaritas. <laughs> it's oh a good gosh. reason it's, it's a good reason. reason oh nothing like a good mexican restaurant all the spicy foods with a nice margarita are you it's kidding nice, me yeah <laughs> gonna need tacos you know today those are kind of like the side effects those are like those aren't like the reasons why we left but they definitely are on the list of reasons why we would never go back right it's actually on on my list for a specific reason i viewed people that drank coffee, people that drank alcohol as like so lost and so bad. Uh -huh. And then I'm like enjoying a margarita with friends. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? Like it didn't change me. Right. It didn't make me less honest. It didn't make me less kind. It didn't make me, you know? Totally. Yeah, like I'm still the parent I've always been. I'm still, you know, like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, same with coffee. <laughs> and yeah, I could give up coffee. I could give up alcohol. It's not a big deal, but, but to view it as to. evil. Yeah. To view it as, as bad or unrighteous or I don't know. Yeah. I, I can see saying, you know, addictions can harm families or harm kids, you know, but yes, 
they're loud about alcohol, but not loud about abuse. Instead, they pay to cover that up. And that that contrast is why margaritas is on my list. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. They are so loud about alcohol, but they don't say a word about abuse. Yeah, like put that on the on the recommend questions interviews. Yes. But then yeah. like, like if I ever could ask the leadership a question, if they were like, you get one question, I'd be like, are you honest in your dealings? <laughs> like, Ooh, yeah. That is my first question. Cause like, well, and they wouldn't tell you the truth. So they would me. say yes, because they're not honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That I would love, I would love to have that question and then to have a follow-up question of, okay, but what about when you said this? And what about when you said this? Exactly. This. Because they wouldn't answer it. I don't think they'd say yes, even. I think they'd not answer it. <laughs> My lawyer says I don't have to answer that question. <laughs> That's what they would do. It's so bad. It's so bad. I love my coffee and I love my margaritas. I love my, um, my Mike's hard lemonades. I love my wine. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, I have a weakness for buzz balls. Have you had those? No. What is that? They're like little flavored wines and they're oh. just like six to eight ounces right in there. They're ah. tiny. I'm Albertsons usually carries them. Yeah. Albertsons. Did you say? Yeah. That's where I usually get them. I live in Utah. Remember? We don't get, hey, I have friends that live there. I'll find out where they buy them because they drink them. Okay. They're probably at the liquor store because that's the only place we can get. <laughs> I mean, I guess at the grocery store, they do have, yeah. they do have, because it's wine nice. based. It's not, it's not like a hard liquor. So it's, but they don't have wine at, at grocery stores. Hmm. I wish they did. They have beer and they have, they have like some mics and, you know, those kinds of things, but they have, they have wine coolers, but they don't have like actual wine, but maybe they have those. Say what the name of them is, is again. Buzz balls. Buzz balls. Buzz. Balls. Okay. <laughs> a great name. Could you, could you say it again? <laughs> <laughs> you were really doing good enunciation. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. I'm going to have to find those and try them. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, go. Try and think of other things on my list. What else is on your list? <laughs> oh, I know what I was going to say about, about the alcohol thing and like how we, we think that people who smoke or drink are bad. It's all, it, it goes along with this fear-based teaching. It's all fear. Like they make you afraid of things that are different than you or people that are different than you in, in all kinds of ways. And that is one of the things that I enjoy the most about not being in the church is I'm not afraid anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I realized how much I was living in fear until I was out. And then I was like, Oh my God. Like, like I was in, like, if I didn't wear my garments and I drove to the grocery store, I was afraid that I was going to get in a fiery death crash and, and die because I didn't have my garments on to protect me. If I didn't pay my tithing, oh, I thought I was going to lose my job. Like there was going to be some consequence, right? If I didn't um, obey the word of wisdom, uh, my, my kid would not be born healthy or, you know, like, well, mm -hmm. that can be true, I guess. <laughs> 
do drugs while I'm pregnant, my kid probably will have a problem, but that has nothing to do with the church. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know what I mean? Like the fear, like I was afraid for my kids. I was afraid for my marriage. I was afraid for my life. I was afraid for my, my home, my well-being, like all the things I was constantly afraid that if I wasn't doing all the right things, that there would be a punishment. And all of my choices were based on rewards and punishments. Which as an adult, that's hard enough. But then raising our children in that and having them going to a friend's house and not feeling safe because there's coffee on the counter. Having, Having my children... Like I was surprised when they were judging people that smoked and I started talking to them about it. And I'm like, no, it's just, it's, you know, not healthy. So it's on our word of wisdom, but that doesn't mean those people are bad. And so I was like actively trying to push back. And my husband has like, I think he has six tattoos. And so when my kids got the tattoo lessons at church, Uh I think that was actually good because they were able to be like, well, dad's good. Yeah, you know, like, and so we we were able to talk about that. But my issues, usually, like any issue that comes up, I'm like, how does this affect kids? Because in the adult world, we'll make all kinds of excuses and reasons or apologetics to try Mm -hmm. to make it all make sense. And I'm like, how does it affect kids? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) just I remember going home to Alaska to visit my family and not feeling good because they were drinking Mm. um tea because they were drinking non-herbal tea it was regular tea which was bad (laughs) because they had coffee my grandma drank coffee every day and even though i still saw her as good you know i'm just this kid but i felt unsafe so yeah, yeah i think it's just such a weird environment yeah I, I totally, when you said that you think about the kids, that is a huge one for me because, um, I once had somebody ask me like, you're out of the church and your kids are out of the church. So why do you still get like, so worked up and so upset about this issue or this issue? And like, if it doesn't affect you anymore. And I'm like, but it affects the people I love. I have lots of nieces and nephews that are still in the church. And it is this kind of shit that is still being shoved down their throats is still harmful to them. And yes, I'm so grateful my kids are out of it. But I also want my kids to understand, like when they have friends that are Mormons, this is what they're being taught, you know? So like, I try to, I try to make sure my kids are respectful, like, and not, you know, disrespectful of other people's beliefs. But at the same time, like I get really fired up about stuff with missions my niece that's filling out her mission papers right now. And if I had a choice, I would tell her all the truth about all the things, but then it's like, well, you know, I also can't do that, but you know, and then I have, you know, nephews and nieces that are getting baptized and that are, you know, just through the steps of the church. And I love them so much. I love them and I want to protect them. They're not my own children, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a protectiveness towards them. And so, yes, that's a huge problem for me is the harm that is done to children. And I just want to point out, you're not actively seeking out kids and telling your nieces and nephews everything bad about 
no the church you're not even having conversations with them about any of it no you're being respectful you're staying distant you're letting their parents and their families live their lives yeah but that doesn't mean you're not going to talk about it yeah. in your own space so yeah. like i don't believe i'm a lamanite anymore yeah but my family still identifies as lamanite like my active mormon family does yeah i'm not sending them my blog posts i'm not sending them links to podcasts i've done i'm not actively talking to them about any of it you know yeah i'm not reaching out to my nieces and nephews and like you know mm -hmm. but it always surprises me when people are like why are you still talking about it if it doesn't affect you mm -hmm. who says it doesn't still affect us that's like like yeah. i talked once on uh, the last episode about how I was abused as a kid. Can you imagine if none of us ever talked about childhood abuse? Well, it's not affecting me now. I'm 46. Yeah. It's not still why happening. Would I talk so about why it? are you still talking about it? Yeah, yeah, I'm not affected by it. Or like racism. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like what if we stop talking about it? Or if I was like not willing to talk about the LGBTQ community. That's actually my final thing on my list. And one of the biggest ones yes. is I have kids that are LGBTQ mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it's not like it's the church isn't hurting me anymore with that, but we need a better world. It's not about the church alone. It's about wanting a better world for everyone altogether. Like, yeah, it's worth talking about the issues. And that that's one that just annoys the hell out of me. I'm like, oh you want silence well that just supports toxic and abusive environments yep that's your own fears and that's just like you talking about it or being ex-mormon and having left the church is like the cup of coffee on the counter at my grandma's house you mm -hmm. know like that fear and that feeling danger so i get it because i was there even if i look back now and i'm like i was scared of a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know yeah, it's um, so silly, but that's what we were taught, right? Yeah, yeah. Like my aunt offered me sweet tea and because it wasn't herbal, I felt mm -hmm. all this fear and mm -hmm. I didn't know how to say no. And I just like backed away and left. <laughs> like I was like 10, <laughs> like, as if she was handing me like drugs or something. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Um, I was just might as well have been giving you cocaine <laughs> for all we know. Yeah. I mean, it's like the same. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. And it's like, that wasn't dangerous. But then if we're not allowed to talk about the toxic philosophies and ways of thinking, then nothing ever changes. Yeah. Kids deserve adults to be adulting. Mm -hmm. Like if the Me Too movement never happened, if, if we weren't allowed to speak out on stuff, it just it wouldn't create a better society. It would just leave all these people hurting and alone. Yeah. Being silent about it. That's where the shame, shame grows in the dark and yeah, yeah. The violence of not speaking up, not talking about the issues. So I think uh, it was either France or Ireland. Oh, it was in the news and I can't remember. They put these boxes where kids could there, there's like a, a movement about, you know, there's things that we can't speak, hurts that we experience that we're not allowed to say out loud. Mm. And so they put these 
boxes out that kids could write down what happened to them and put it in there. And like the amount of abuse that kids experience that are never talked about blew them away. Is this in schools or just like in um around town? I don't know if they, I, they, I think they had some in schools um, and it was part of a project, but yeah. Interesting. If you can't say it, write it. Interesting. Yeah. And, and then for them to see how many kids are telling yeah. stories, ugh. It's, it's too big of a problem. It, oh my gosh, something has to be done. Which all comes back to like her saying to you, like, if it's not, if you're not a member anymore, why are you talking about? It doesn't, doesn't have anything to do with you. Yeah. Um, If you were abused and hurt by something, you're allowed to talk about it. And the more we talk about it, the better, because kids are still being hurt. Yeah. So, okay, so I have a list of things that, like on our last episode, you had a list of things that the church has to do. I, I, this isn't really a true list, but there are some things, I have some ideas, okay, for the church that would probably increase the respect I have for them and could go a long way to making them look a little bit better, I guess. Oh, there was an article in uh, Salt Lake Tribune, I think yesterday about um, they had done a poll about how people view different religious groups and Mormons were at the bottom of the list. I just saw it. (laughs) Oh. Okay. So this goes along with that of like, here's something, here are some things that the church could do to make themselves look better and to make people respect them a little bit. Okay. Number one, turn all their temples into homeless shelters and feeding and housing the poor for feeding and housing the poor. <laughs> that's the first thing I think that they could do. I don't think that's too far fetched. Like, cause it makes me think about how Jesus was on. That was one of my favorite stories was when Jesus was on the steps of the temple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like, if you don't pay, you don't get to play. Like it's, yep. it is a 10% to enter. Yep. That would show that they were actually following Jesus, right? Feeding and housing the poor. Where, when, in what circumstance are they ever doing that? Like it's, anyways, so that's one thing they could do. If they took all of the quorum of the 12 out <laughs> and put all women in charge, I'm laughing because I know that's just, it's dumb, but if they put women in charge, I feel like this church could be in a better place. (laughs) If they would give away all of their money, if they get, because even in the scriptures, it talks about this, you know, Jesus talks to somebody, they say, you know, what more can I do? And he said, sell everything you have and follow me. Right. They, if they gave all of their you know, billions of dollars in, in cash and real estate away, like towards ending world hunger and poverty towards, you know, um, clean water for the whole world towards, you know, I mean, they literally could change the entire world. Yeah. Why couldn't they do that? Stop building temples in poverty stricken places, take that money and help them. Yeah. Yeah. It's so because the amount of money that they put into the temples is is kind of 
uh, kind of a mixed seem. emotion because I do love architecture and I love the artistic side of human nature. And there's something to be celebrated for beautiful buildings. But yeah. when those beautiful buildings are used to separate and divide, they're mm -hmm. not so beautiful anymore. Yeah, totally. When they are used as a, you know, it's a private club that only those who give them money can go to, like, that's a problem. Like, and if, if they were taking all that money that, that people gave to enter the temple, if they were taking that money to feed the poor and house yeah. and change and help protect the planet and the people that would be it would look different even if even if it wasn't a building for everyone it was a building for the worshipers themselves but taking yeah. the money that that is required not mm -hmm. necessary not needed but required to enter and donate all of that to the poor yeah that would at least be something right they could even keep all the money they currently have and just start donating every penny that they bring in. That would be something. It's just gross. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's obscene. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. When you see, have you seen the pictures of like the temple in, I believe it's in India and you see like this gorgeous temple and all the surrounding like villages are like, seriously, like people live in huts they are absolutely in the in horrible poverty and then there's this gaudy obscene ridiculous building in the middle and it just feels like it's a slap in the face kind of like what the hell these people don't even have electricity and running water and you have a million dollar chandelier hanging in your billion dollar building like that just doesn't even make sense it doesn't compute like what if they could take that money and actually serve that community they could start with the indigenous communities in utah oh my gosh right yeah the the indigenous communities anywhere who are still living in horrible circumstances without running water and stuff mm -hmm. like just a few miles away there's a big god-awful temple like yeah I mean, I agree there is beauty in a lot of the temples are very beautiful, but I just, I don't know. Now I struggle when I see them. I don't see the beauty anymore. Because they don't lift up the community. No, they don't. Even if there is beautiful architecture, maybe I need to try harder to, you know, appreciate that. But I just, I can't, like it's lost. All well, that's why you can't. Is, is, yeah. is there, <laughs> it just represents yes a lack of understanding a lack of yes. self-awareness even if the architecture is beautiful totally what it's representing is completely oblivious to yeah. the people that are getting hurt yeah. around them just total privilege and ignorance. yeah it really yeah. is yeah. like it's it's no different than what's happened in hawaii and new zealand mm -hmm. and yeah just <laughs> So gross. Uh, yeah. So the last thing on the list for yes. me was the LGBTQ community, which I think is is the biggest one because that's the one where I know you said, you know, people hope that it's going to change. Mm -hmm. I don't see it ever changing. Ever. 
Yeah, because I think that it would threaten the patriarchy. It's connected to that too closely. Yeah, I think I think that's the hill they're going to die on is marriage has to be between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That it's God's plan. I don't think that I, I agree with you. I I would love I, you know, I would love to see that change. That would be, I think, a great change. Would it make me go back to the church? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> because I don't it, the lying. <laughs> yeah. There's too many other lying for the Lord lying in, <laughs> in lesson manuals lying. And yeah. Um, I also had stuff like marijuana on my list because yeah. I find it very uh, double standard to have such high prescriptions given mm-hmm. out in Utah for all these other things, but oh. to not acknowledge more natural healing like 100%. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many people I know that are, you know, addicted to opioids, addicted to ADHD medication, like ADHD meds. It's like essentially meth. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I'm not against medication when it's needed. Okay. I'm, I'm not against that. But the problem I have is the double standard. Like, just like, yeah. Yeah. Like why, when plant medicine has been proven to be so helpful and healing and beneficial in so in like a huge wide array of, of ways, you know, why is it so demonized, but it's perfectly fine. You can get a temple recommend if you are addicted to opioids, but you cannot get a temple recommend if you smoke weed. Tell me how that makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. I, I wonder, do you think that they would ever change the word of wisdom? I think that can, that'll change possibly, but instead of like making more space, they change the rules in like the islands for, um, uh, oh, I can't think of the word. Is it the drink, the drink, they, the, ah, kava. That's what I can think of. Okay. It's just like a traditional drink. And it's, it's not, it's not alcoholic, but it, you can kind of get relaxed drinking it. Is it a plant medicine that's in it that would normally be against the word of wisdom? They've made it against the word of wisdom there. This is brand new. This is like last year or the year before. Are you serious? Yeah. It's like, it's like a tea. It's just like a tea. And so people that have traditionally used it if they're mormon they're no longer allowed to tradition join the traditional ceremonies or uh family occasions yeah that's insane i i could see them loosening up on the word of wisdom maybe a little bit but it'll be interesting to see because i think like now they really they just don't have an argument for why tea and coffee is not okay like they really don't because anything they say could also be said, you know, well, what about, what about Coke? What about, do you remember when it was a huge deal when BYU got like machines in? Yes. When they started carrying caffeinated drinks, when Mm -hmm. president Uchtdorf talked about how he drinks diet Coke at general conference, like everyone was like, no way. Like it's okay now. Like how insane is that? It's (laughs) 
So it, it, the temperature of your caffeine matters apparently. Yeah. Yeah. No hot drinks, no hot cocoa, no soup. (laughs) That's why I'm not getting back together. I like soup. Oh, I like all the hot I also do not eat meat sparingly. I definitely like meat. (laughs) That is true. You know what? I had this conversation with my bishop. I said, the word of wisdom is ridiculous. (laughs) Nobody actually follows the actual word of wisdom, like word for word. They follow these key points that we always talk about, like, you know, nicotine and coffee and, and alcohol. But we don't talk about the eating meat sparingly and the, you know, only in times of famine and cold or something, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like I said that to the bishop. I'm like, it's such bull crap. Like nobody's, nobody's following, you know, and like the, the, what they talk about grain and it talks about a whole bunch of stuff. I bet if you ask somebody to tell you what's in the word of wisdom, all they would know about is the, the hot drinks and the you know, that stuff. That's all they know about. If you actually read the word of wisdom, you'd be like, what the hell? Nobody follows this. What else is funny is the whole eating meat sparingly thing. Uh-huh. When Mormons first arrived in Utah, they overhunted and overfished everything yes. to like oblivion. <laughs> like there is yes. no sparingly. <laughs> right. Which is what caused the natives to have such problems mm-hmm. with their food. Then they were starving. Yeah. And if they came and killed a cow, then they were actually killed themselves. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, don't even get me started about no, that. No, no, we're not going to tell that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The, the whole word of wisdom is such bold. It's And even like the drinking, like when I found out that Joseph was still smoking and drinking in Nauvoo, I was like, what? Like, why did they even have it? Yeah. He was literally drunk when he died. They brought um, some kind of liquor to the jail for them because they were stressed and they needed to calm down. Yeah. No. And then, I mean, Brigham Young had distilleries in Utah. Hello. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. didn't end with Joseph Smith. They were still. They yeah. Were and, and that was one of the things that I read in the journal of discourse too. They'd talk about what they had in the meeting. <laughs> like what? Isn't it insane? It's uh, insane. The double standard, the, it's so weird sometimes to think about how we got here. Like what happened? I think like we think, or at least I always thought like, this is the way the church has always been. This is, mm-hmm. this started with Joseph Smith, but to, to actually read all the history and see how it's evolved over time is really crazy. It's like how we got here with like those super traditional, um, you know, family dynamics that, that were taught that that wasn't until like what David O. McKay, like, right. Like the shame I would have if we didn't have family home evening. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right. I was like, I'm the worst mom ever. (laughs) Yeah. No, I genuinely like when my son was, you know, 14 and, and kind of like leaving the church, that's what I was thinking about. Oh my gosh. We didn't do family home evening enough. I teach my son well enough. Oh, speaking of teenagers, yes. I'm so glad I didn't get to this stage. But one of the big ones, never, never the early morning seminary. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, no, there are kids here that wake up at five, 5 a.m. And teenagers need more sleep than they need more sleep than, than my no, They're not kids. going to bed at a decent time. Well, even without that, even if they go to bed on a decent time, they yeah. actually physically need more sleep. Because yes. their brains are changing so much at that stage. 
I forget yeah. how much, uh, yeah, the, the I've read with like, I stay up to date with like all the development stuff with kids and well, I used to, obviously I don't anymore. I'm like, ah, whatever. Um, I'm just going to do what they're going to do. But I watch our friends that are like getting up at 5am and going and doing seminary and then going and doing school. And they're like doing their extracurriculars after, and they go home. Just, we give some rides and just zombies. How are these kids even functioning? I don't know. I cannot imagine. It's like, even much. when my kids go to bed on time, they're not going to wake up. Oh, yeah. Like, it's just. I don't want to wake up at five. So why no. would I expect my kids to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, uh, that would be a reason I'm not getting back together because I enjoy my sleep. <laughs> and and I want Sundays, my sleep. Sundays, oh. glorious Sundays. Today's Sunday. And Saturdays. Actual yeah. rest day. Yeah. Rest day. Sundays. I look forward to Sundays. Sundays, like the best day of the week for me now. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt amazing, crazy when I first left, but I was like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It was like, oh my gosh, this is so <laughs> nice. We call it second Saturday now, but even, even that feels because it is different than Saturday. It's mm -hmm. a calmer day. I don't feel like I have to do as much like Saturday still feels like a busy day where I need to get a lot done. And then Sunday, I'm just like chilling. It is the nicest, best day. It's so great. No more, uh, pantyhose. Oh, <laughs> dresses. yeah. I quit wearing pantyhose like 20 years ago though. Yeah. Those were <laughs> such a problem for me. I freaking hate them. Oh, they're the worst. Yeah. They're the worst. <laughs> also, no more fast Sundays. No yes. More oh my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> fasting was the worst part of Mormonism ever. There was a time when I literally was like, my testimony is not strong enough for fasting. <laughs> I was the worst faster ever. I faked it. I loved it when I was pregnant. Cause I could eat oh, and yeah. not feel guilty. I was like, Oh, pregnant. I don't have yeah. to fast or breastfeeding or yeah, breastfeeding. Yeah. I can't fast too bad. So sad. But I do miss, um, some of the wild like testimony meetings. <laughs> there's something to be said for that right <laughs> it's, it's um oh what does my brother call it oh my gosh open mic sunday open mic sundays yeah, yeah. and there'd be some really nice ones like i would be moved by some people's yeah but then yeah. there'd be the the wild ones where i'm like what did they say about like there's this one guy my dad was um on the high council so we travel to oh. different wards for him to like visit and speak at or whatever. And one fast Sunday, there was, um, at this branch, this guy got up and he was talking about a snake that was talking to him. And like, you know, no. really like, like what? what is this? Uh, dude, we always had like, in my word, we always had the same people get up every time. Mm -hmm. And you knew when they were getting up, you're like, Oh, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, but there were some fun. There were some like, you look at each other and you're like, what is happening right now? I used to love those days. Yes. I'm, I, there's times that I wish I could go back and be like, no, don't get up. Don't get up. <laughs> Stay sitting. Uh -huh. There was once my mom and um, sister were visiting and my mom decided she was going to share her testimony. And she grabbed my sister and drug her up with her and made her stand there. Yeah. <laughs> And so my mom shared hers and then made my sister share hers. 
Oh my gosh. And this was at your home ward as an adult. As an adult. I think I'd had my second child or something. And so they were visiting, but. Yeah. I remember one time my dad visiting my ward and we've talked about my dad. My dad is, he's the nicest guy, but man, he's just so embarrassing. It's, it was an adult. I think he was visiting because we were blessing our baby or something, but he got up and bore his testimony. He's like, hi, I'm, I'm her dad, you know? And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> so embarrassed. I'm so oh, embarrassed. See, that's why I loved it. Like oh. you never knew what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I think I have too much of an aversion to like awkwardness. That oh. I always love it. There I were certain things I loved it, but yeah, I just... Oh yeah. It was, but then I'm always like on the outside of things laughing in, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's not me experiencing it. No, I, I um, experienced secondhand shame. I'm ashamed yeah. for the person up there embarrassing themselves. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> Were there any other things that you didn't get to share that you wanted to share? Or I think I have one more. Okay, go. Yes. Bishop's interviews. Oh, <laughs> never getting back together. My kids. <laughs> It is so disrespectful to children. Are you kidding yeah, me? It's so never, bad. never. Okay. Oh, that's yep. <laughs> yep. Tacos yep. and margaritas tonight. <laughs> yes. Let's do it. Yeah. The bishops interviews and, and um, I've actually had that thought multiple times as we've been talking about different things where like, you feel like you have to get permission from the bishop for things. When we're talking about the word of wisdom, I have a friend who she was on some like diet thing and she was required to drink coffee and she went and asked her bishop if it was okay and if she could keep her te- temple recommend. That's bullshit. I've had. I've and had, it's also like Bishop Roulette. You could have yes. one bishop say yes and one say no. Correct. Correct. Not I, even from God. Yep. I've had, I know people who have asked their bishop if it's okay that they have a vibrator. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry. No. I was just like picturing asking a bishop and like, uh-huh. that's awkward, which uh-huh. obviously I found funny, uh-huh. <laughs> but like, what? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh my God. I know very well who got a vibrator and then she felt guilty about it. So she went to her bishop and asked him if it was okay. And he told her, yes, it was okay. Oh, good. I bet you that he was like, dude, stop talking and get out of my office. I don't want to know about you and your vibrator. No, she got, at least she got a decent person. Yeah. But because like, that's so personal. And why is she telling her bishop this shit? Like for reals, like the bishop thing is so bad. Why do we feel like we need, I mean, how many times did I go into my bishop to confess that I was, you know, making out too much with my boyfriend? Like how freaking stupid is that? I felt like I had to. I felt like I was, that was what I was supposed to do. You're supposed to ask permission. You're supposed to ask forgiveness. You're supposed to, you know, clear everything through the bishop. Is it okay if I, you know, do this or that? Like, it just is so gross now. So yes, that's, that's a really good one. I'm like understanding that it's just people with zero training, (laughs) zero training. And then understanding that everything you tell them, they can choose to put on your permanent records. Yes. And they'll just follow you and they can choose not to put it on there. Uh-huh. Like the fact that they have so much control and that children are exposed to this without even understanding the mm-hmm. ramifications. 
Yeah, I think it comes back to conformed consent for me on that too. Informed like, consent. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what I say? Conformed Conform. consent. <laughs> informed oh consent. Is that a thing? Wait, wait, what? Your consent is conformed. <laughs> yeah, informed consent because like kids just don't know that's going to follow them. And like even even your friend I feel bad for laughing. Like I honestly no, feel bad. She was just in this funny. like sweet trying to be <laughs> a good member but I felt really uncomfortable <laughs> like, yeah it, it was that awkward feeling like oh my gosh I'm yeah. so uncomfortable well, she's an but... older lady that's divorced and um, have you know what I mean so she... I love you know I love that she got somebody decent that didn't shame her for it yeah but you know understanding that they can put stuff on your permanent record and you move your wards and somebody reads through it all yeah, I just wouldn't you kind of love to see what your permanent record looks no. like? <laughs> no, no, I have Aren't no curious. desire to see that. I think I think if you go and you have your records removed, they should send them to you, like send you your uh, official file that has everything. And I don't know, it might be really traumatizing, but yeah, yeah, for me, it would be. I, I don't morbid want curiosity <laughs> for me. I want to know what the bishop wrote down about me. <laughs> it would, it would uh, probably make me angry. Oh yeah. Like that. Yeah, it probably would. Did you remove your name from the records of the church? Have you done yeah. that? You have? Yeah. That was like six months after we left. <sighs> I haven't. My husband couldn't wait. I panicked a little. I admit I panicked, even though I knew I yeah. would never go back. Yeah. It was, it was a hard final step. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I haven't done it yet. I'm definitely never going back. <laughs> I just, I just I don't know. I, I, there's part of me that wants to wait until the perfect time to make a statement. Now, granted, that's all about me. That has nothing. The church doesn't give a mm -hmm, shit. Mm -hmm. I remove my records, but for me, it feels like it has to be almost like ceremonious. Like there has to be a, uh, something significant that happens and then I will take that step. But I mean, tons of significant things have happened and I haven't done it yet. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm waiting for, honestly, but. Yeah, I'm for me, it was, it was uh, realizing I wasn't Lamanite made me really angry that my grandma had already passed away. Hmm. And some of the stuff I said, defending the church. And I was just like, nope, I will have nothing to do with this. Yeah. Like my name will never touch, you know, be a part of being associated with being an active member. Yeah. So I, yeah. Yeah. There's part of me that's like, I do not want them to be able to count me. I do not want to be associated with them. But then there's also part of me that says it doesn't really matter. They're probably, you know, whatever their numbers are, nobody actually knows. And whether they still count me, it doesn't, you know, just, I go back and forth of like, it really matters. And then, oh, maybe it just doesn't matter. I don't know. But, I agree. And in some ways it just, it's all pretend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's all this just pretend thing. Yep. Yeah. There, there will definitely be a time where I officially remove my name, but. Yeah. I think if I would have waited, it, it wouldn't matter as much anymore. It mattered at the early stages as part of my. Yeah. yeah I was just mad. Yeah. Making a statement and. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of stuff we could add, but I know. the bulk of it. <laughs> yeah, 
I think we've covered the main the main parts and and it is interesting how interconnected everything is like polygamy to patriarchy to you know priesthood and LGBTQ issues and word of wisdom with you know and then prophets and ugh. and for me every single one connects to kids yeah every single every single one and how it hurts them or lies to them or manipulates their emotions or growth or understanding and i'm just like grossed out by it yeah yep like it's one thing if it's an adult and that's where like we talked about if my kid's 25 and they want to join the church i'll be like well okay but let me just share these things with you and i'll support you Mm -hmm. um because an adult can have informed consent but right children need to be more respected yeah totally i have a nephew that's getting baptized this saturday and i'm just i'm just sad about it i can't you know i want to be supportive and i I actually can't go to his baptism because i'm going to be at taylor swift but i would have gone Mm -hmm. (laughs) i've gone to other nieces and nephews baptisms because i'm being supportive but it also really makes me sad because i'm like these kids have no idea yeah well there's some beautiful symbolism with baptism yeah with with like christianity i i still try to like give space for like different belief systems and stuff Mm -hmm. even if it's not my thing don't believe any of it but the whole idea of like when when you get baptized and you're washed clean and you're perfect right it sounds really beautiful on the surface but what that does to a kid that's true yeah how long does that last to where they go oh my gosh i'm not perfect anymore i made this mistake i i told a little lie or i i hit my sister or whatever you know like how quickly do kids go oh shoot like do you remember thinking that cuz i do i no i i think i tied a lot of my beliefs to jesus and because my family watched a lot of the older reenacting movies i'd watch jesus get baptized yeah And like, I thought about him and then I thought it was fun. So I think with the whole having your sins washed away, I didn't really get talked to about that stuff. Oh, I think for me, I just associated it with being like Christ and getting baptized like he did. Okay. But yeah, you're right. Because a lot of people get the, oh, but you better not sin after this. Yeah. I didn't get that. So, and, and I don't even think that I got that particular message you better not sin after this but but my brain went from i'm perfect right now because all my sins are washed away but what happens when i make another mistake then i'm not perfect i'm never going to be perfect Mm -hmm. so that idea just was like oh crap like i'm just you know i'm i'm like envisioning this i was white and perfect and now there's all these spots on me you know and like i'm never going to be white again and i think it depends on the churches or the religion's version of baptism yeah for sure sure. and maybe having a mom that was a convert because moms do a lot of the teaching Uh more i think than dads usually so yeah maybe that influenced mine but yeah yeah mormonism does definitely have more purity culture pressure so yes to stay pure and clean Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me today. It's so fun. I just have to be a regular guest now from now on. (laughs) Come up with different topics. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
Well, we basically chat almost every day anyways now. So yeah. Yep. We just have to, we just have to plan to, to record our conversations. You could like take all the blips from, <laughs> from Marco Polo. <laughs> chop them all together <laughs> we have talked about pretty much every topic under the sun <laughs> anyway. well this was fun um yeah. yeah we'll have to do it again sometime yeah definitely yeah we'll, we'll have to do it lots more times so yeah 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 we got our list out and i'm definitely like i wasn't kidding i'm definitely gonna plan on a margarita with like tacos tonight for dinner i'm like that's it <laughs> that sounds so good Nicole. Oh yeah that sounds perfect Perfect. Perfect. It's a perfect Sunday activity, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, I will let you go. You also have a birthday party to get to today. So yep. yep. Have so much fun with that. And I will talk to you later. Okay. Bye. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this content and it's been helpful for you, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a review if you love us. And finally, if you can, I would really appreciate financial support in this work. You can go to dissidentdaughters.org or mormondiscussionpodcast.org and choose Dissident Daughters in the drop-down menu when you go to set up your donation. You can do a one-time donation, of course, but better yet, set up a monthly donation of even just five bucks. If you've left the church recently, you've probably experienced a 10% income increase. <laughs> and here's a place where you can donate and know that you're supporting a fellow dissident daughter who wants to stick around and keep providing a supportive space for deconstructing our faith together. Thanks for all your support.